Welcome to the Holy Smokes Podcast, a show about faith, friendship, fine tobacco and drink. I'm Steve Ryder in Wayne's world, Wayne Green's man cave in Castle Rock, Colorado. And I am here with Demetrius Giannopoulos, one of my favorite Holy Smokers here in the Castle Rock area. My man, I love hanging out with you. You were just awesome. Thanks for being on. Thank you. All right. First question. What you smoking? Oliva V Milanio. It's one of my favorites. I love them. They're they're a full cigar. Yeah. And this is the Figurado. And uh, I bought a bunch of these during the, we call it the Holy Smokes Black Friday sale. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of us went to a cigar lounge as if you bought more than seven boxes, you got seven boxes free. Oh my gosh. So we spent $3,000 on cigars that day. Uh. <laughs> Collectively as a group. Yeah. That's a great idea to get a bunch of people together. And you have a backup cigar once this one is done, because you're about, I'd say about halfway yep. through it. What did you grab out of my package? Don Marshall. It'll be the first one I ever smoked. Daniel Marshall. Daniel Marshall. Sorry. And it's the red label. I got a box of them from Daniel Marshall. And I'm telling you right now to the listeners, the first time I smoked one, it instantly became one of my top five favorite cigars. I can't wait to try it. All right. And I am smoking a Safari cigar from Joe Basil, a holy smoker out hey. in D.C. Great cigars. A little, little boutique cigar company. You can go to check out Safari Cigars and order a box. Some Maduro box press. Nice big stick that'll last me this interview, which I'm expecting it to not be a short one. It probably not. <laughs> Demetrius, where'd you grow up? I was born in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. You're of Greek descent, yep. obviously the name Demetrius Giannopoulos. Yeah, my... Uh, You're very proud Greek. Oh yeah, my grandfather was from uh, Corinth and my uh, grandmother was from Sparta. So I got quite a history, and the last name Giannopoulos is an ancient, old Greek name. Really? Yeah, and... Um, Do you know what it means? No, I don't. I know what my first name means is fruitful one and favor with all men. Yeah. All people, or whatever. Anyways, born in Phoenix, and when I was about three and a half, my parents divorced. Mm. And my dad is a, was a very strong Greek guy. So interesting story is I didn't know it until years later and my mother was a great lady but she was very wounded a lot of brokenness in her side of the family and what happened is is um, my dad actually took us to court and I found out years later that he had the whole trunk packed and had us in the car that if he lost yeah. he was all set up to disappear and uh, if he didn't want us in court, because he was not going to, he had full custody of us in court. He won it in court. And so he moved us to Yuma, Arizona, where my grandfather landed and built businesses. And he was famous in Yuma, Arizona. So I went there and grew up. But before I moved, my dad had us baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church. Yeah. And I still remember, because it was so embarrassing. I remember I had to take my pants off. I was in underwear. And they put me in a bowl, like a big basin, yeah. and sprinkled me with water or whatever it was. And I still remember it. And I was probably three and a half, three years old. Yeah, so. that would be embarrassing for a three-year-old. Oh, my gosh. It was shocking for me. And so as i in Yuma now, I'm growing up. I'm, I was probably about 10, 12. And 
maybe a little bit older, and I asked my father, I said, hey, Dad, how come uh, we don't go to church? Because I had a lot of friends that went to churches. Yeah. My dad was so Greek that he would say, uh, son, there's no Greek Orthodox church here, so we don't go to church because the Greek Orthodox church is the only true church. And I'm like, okay. And I don't remember a Bible in my house or anything. And so what happened is, but he did send me to Catholic school and never went to mass, but we had some type of rosary thing that we did or something. And I remember seeing Jesus on the cross. And so as I grew, and probably when I was about, I don't know, 13, I found myself, I've always talked to God. And I've always really? had incredible reverence of just, I've always really? talked to him. And I've always felt like I heard his voice. And so what happened is, where did that come from? You know what? I always give the greatest credit to my father because my dad, you know, all our families have brokenness and great things a part of it. Yeah. But my father hugged me, kissed me until the day he died. Is that a Greek culture thing? I think so. Okay. But for him... Because I, I know that Paul Philetus, in his story, I believe it's episode number seven, he talks about his dad was Greek and going down to Greece from Berlin to mm -hmm. go spend summers with his Greek family was like, that really kind of helped to ground him and shape him into the loving person that he is now. Amen. And because I was hugged and kissed and he did all our laundry, he laid his life down for my brother and I. And my brother's first name is Diomedes. So we're Greek. You're very Greek. So anyways. <laughs> is your brother your only sibling? Yep. I always wanted a sister, but it's probably a good thing. My dad would have not, not known how to raise a daughter, man. Yeah. Because he was real. He was a man's man. Met, yeah, big time. And he played football for ASU and all that oh, stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was a pretty famous guy. They used to call him the Galloping Greek because he was real fast. And yeah. uh, he would run the ball and stuff like that. So. Now, did you have a relationship with your mom at all? Yeah, I did. And for me, it was very painful, but it actually affected my brother more than I. Really? Because uh, I've always been a very forgiving, mercy, grace guy before I even knew Jesus. So, yeah. so I cried and released it. My brother hardened. Oh. And my dad preached so much Greek stuff to us. My brother bit more into that heavy Greek stuff, and I didn't. Yeah. I just loved everybody. And I've always been that way. What and did your dad do? He was uh, primarily a car salesman. He was ranked several years, number one for Chevy, GMC, Toyota, and state of Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, he was the number one sales guy. That's kind of where I got my sales gifts from. So. And then your grandfather, your dad's dad was a businessman big time did you, have, did you have a relationship with no him? i never he had passed before i was born oh but i've always been told by everybody that knew my grandfather you're just like your grandfather really yeah so i've always had that and it was honor to hear that because i feel so connected to my grandfather i never met him because they say you're just like your grandfather now what about your mom's Parents Never you, met them. So you didn't have a relationship with any of your grandparents? No. Nope. Never knew? No, just my grandmother. My grandmother, when we moved to Yuma, helped... So your dad's mom. Yep, helped raise us, and she is serious Greek. 
but <laughs> I mean, Greek food. Like, like there's a whole level above your dad. Oh yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. I mean, I loved my grandmother, man. She, and I love Greek food. Yeah. So that's. And I, I mean, we were so spoiled, and with just walking over to grandma's house every day when we didn't have school, and she was basically like a big part of mothering us. Was your mom of Greek descent, or was she? No, she wasn't. She was Danish and okay stuff like that. So, high school, growing up, involved in sports. Yeah. What kind of I, kid were you? I was um, a very driven guy. So, what happened is that when I was about in seventh grade, I was kind of a pudgy guy and didn't really know any direction. Yeah. And I met a guy named Martin Facet, which he's passed now. He was just this natural, strong guy, very confident, but had a lot of family issues. But he was an amazing guy. And he just took me and befriended me, encouraged me. And between seventh and eighth grade, I started exercising, working out weights, because I wanted to be strong like Martin Facet. <laughs> and he did some awesome stuff. But I go back to eighth grade, and I went out for um, wrestling yeah. in elementary school. And I lost, I think it was seventh grade, I lost every match because I had no confidence. And I come back really from the summer going from seventh grade to eighth grade, and I lost a bunch of weight, and everybody's like shocked. Yeah. It's like, what's happened to you? I said, well, I'm just working out now. So my last match uh, was a tournament, and my coach, Coach Johnson, took me under his wing. He says, he showed me some holds. He goes, you got huge upper body strength. Let me show you some holes. Well, that match, I took second place. I lost all the matches. Really? Previous. And then the tournament, I ended up taking second. So I come back. I lost weight. Now I'm down, you know, still more weight than most people. Yeah. But I was a big kid. And so I come back, and I went from eighth grade all the way to my junior year undefeated. Oh, my gosh. And then my father, because he got injured in football... Here I'm this big guy. I've got records I'm breaking in weightlifting and yeah. undefeated in wrestling. And my dad would not let me sign up for football. Really? In, in this journey, my junior year, I was getting so harassed because now I'm benching over 300 pounds at 17 or something like that and all this stuff and doing weightlifting tournaments. And, yeah. And what happened is, is uh, I signed up for football. And I went, up, I went to my father, and I said, Dad, I said, I got to tell you, I signed up for football. And he got so upset at me, but he let me do it. Really? And so I signed up, and, you know, my dad in the living room would practice and show me how to block. Yeah. But he wouldn't let me play football. And it was an insane experience for me because, you know, I was pretty famous in high school. And it got to my head, and I'll share more of it, is I started uh, my junior year. So right at the end of the football season, I messed up my ankles just like my father did. It was bizarre. And so I struggled in my junior year. I finished out, did great. But my senior year, it caught up to me. And the doctors told me that I've done so much damage to my ankles that if you continue, you're going to be crippled by 45 years old. It freaked me out. You know, I'm only 17 years old or whatever. And so I, the coach said, you know, you don't have to work out. The team has voted because I was undefeated. 
And so I started working now, and I'm not going to practice, but I'm going to the, the wrestling matches. Yeah. But I noticed as I was getting further and further, I was getting out of shape. And then, unfortunately, I started partying some with drinking beers with my buddies and yeah. stuff like that. And so, anyways, that's my high school years. Um, before that, well, the God side of this whole thing is when I was 15 and a half, I heard God's voice say, I've called you to finances for me. And I had no idea. I didn't know Jesus as we say the word got saved or. Yeah. So I heard God's voice and I instantly, because it was so real, I don't think it was an audible voice, but it was so clear that I knew who I was and I knew my calling in life. I didn't know what it was going meant. And Interesting. So I go to uh, some of my buddies, you know, because I was a weightlifting teacher and all this stuff, a uh, teacher's assistant. And we'd go out and party in the parking lot before our classes. Mm-hmm. And some of my best buddy partying friends were getting saved. And they were like, my high is Jesus now. I'm like, what's that? And one of my friends, Brian McKeever, said, yeah, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm like, tell me more, because I've always loved Jesus. But I had such a Father-God relationship, as we'll get further in the story. But I didn't know about Jesus so much. I just knew he was on a cross. Uh So fast forward now, that echoed in me for like four or five years. Now I meet my first wife and I knew I got married at 21 or I think it was 1983 February of 1983 and then six months later because I've been some level of generous person I was already doing really well I actually moved back to Phoenix to go to ASU and I got promoted with Alpha Beta grocery store and I was their top performer. I was a rising star in the company, what, 19 years old. Then they asked me, would I go to Tucson? This is before I signed up for college. And they offered me a really great job. Man, I was already making 40000 back then. Wow. And so I went to Tucson, and I was the famous golden child of Alpha Beta in that area. And now what, so, year, what year was this? That was like 1982. Yeah, $40,000 was oh, yeah. A, a, good, yeah. a good amount for a 19-year-old to be making. And I, I always contributed because I knew I had some level of sense of identity yeah. of my call. And I was a hardworking guy. And all my buddies are already, because I always hung out with uh, guys that were older than me, a lot of them are already getting out of college or whatever. And I'm like, I'm making way more than what you guys are making. Most of them are getting $20,000 jobs when they get out of college. Yeah. And so fast track, I uh, get married. My first wife had a child already. So I adopted her. She came to me about six months after I was married to her mom. How old was she at the time? Nine. Okay. And uh, so I adopted her, Shauna. And then I have my uh, also Athena and, and Demetrius Jr., so, fast track, I'm getting a little ahead. All the kids weren't now, born. Now, going back, you kind of teased it a little bit. You were a big man on campus, and you said that kind of created some problems. Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I started partying a lot, and because of the notoriety of being famous or whatever, 
it started going to my head. And so I think God was getting ready to set me up here is because at 21, September 18th, 1983, six months after I was married, I was miserable in my marriage. So six months. And I'm thinking, what the heck did I do, man? Because I was still young. And so what happened is uh, I gave some money to help some another Greek brother that was struggling. And he was always, praise Jesus this and praise Jesus that and everything. And I said, man, he was actually came to my house one time, my wife and I, and was drawing the circles of Amway, trying to get us to sign up for Amway. Yeah. I said, you know, you can keep that at home, but I love your personality. That's what I said, because I didn't know anything else. Yeah. And so one time, my wife and I, we were going to help him financially, and uh, they came to our house, and his wife went with my wife to the kitchen, and I was holding a beer in my hand. I still remember it. And Tim Lambro says, do you know Jesus? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I was like, no, what is that? And then he tells me a little bit, and I said, does that mean I have to quit drinking my beers? That's what about all I knew. And he goes, no, man. He goes, that's between you and God. He goes, I just want to introduce you to Christ. And I said, let's do it. I get on my knees right that's, there. That's kind of a unique position because so many churches in the 70s and 80s were still very trapped in legalism and oh yeah jesus didn't turn water into alcoholic wine he turned it into grape juice yep amen which was the line i got fed as a kid yeah i got a lot of that after i got saved so i accepted christ and it was a massive shift in my life yeah and then he said tim read the gospels but start with john that's what he tells me so I had a Bible. I don't know how I got the Bible. Yeah. And my first wife was, had a Bible. And so I pull it out and I'm reading. And this is how naive I was. I didn't even know that. I thought living together yeah. is how you figure out if you're going to get along and get married. And what happened is is I, um, I'm reading it and, and it's talking about fornication. And so I'm like, I looked up at her at the couch and I said, did you know this was sin? She goes, yep. And I just started bawling. Wow. I was so convicted. Sh- convicted. Yeah. And my language changed. I used to have a really bad mouth. Yeah. And that night, it was totally gone. And man, I'll tell you what, the journey I've been on from that point on has just been amazing. The God relationship that I had, Growing that up. I talked to him. Yeah. And... I think I heard his voice that one time, but I've always talked to God and now it's become real. And it's like, wow, this is really wild. And so I go back to work and I was known as the rowdy guy. I have to motivate my guys. I'd let them play a hard rock and roll and all kinds of stuff. ACDC. I used to love ACDC and those guys. I still love the music, but it's just not the same. Yeah. They're like, what happened to you? I said, man, I accepted Jesus, man. And so I went on that track for a little while. And I said, I noticed a lot of my friends are pulling away from me now. But I was so secure because I had this God intimacy level. Yeah. I'm still discovering Jesus. Yeah. But I had this God thing. And so God took me on a journey, man, and started teaching me about being a better leader. 
because I had natural given gifts of leadership or talents, but he challenged You're a very charismatic guy. I mean, people just love you. I mean, when they get to know you, it's just like, oh, Demetrius. Mm, well, thank you. But uh, what happened is, long story short, I did junior college, never yeah. finished it. I got caught up in this drivenness to fulfill what God's called me to do. And I mean, I went hard and, you know, I rise to the, in the grocery business. Then I uh, went into uh, food distribution, contract food distribution for uh, Argus Foods, Mission Tortillas, Miran Cheeto Chips, all this stuff that's big in Arizona. And it eventually became big around the U.S. Yep. I remember growing up as a kid, you didn't see very much Mexican in Wisconsin growing up. And then it kind of exploded in the 80s. Yeah, and that's where God showed me I had a gift. I've never sold anything in my life. Yeah. And I went into that, and within like a month, I was number one in the company. And <laughs> and I negotiated the contract, and they gave me a favorable uh, commission rate yeah. because I was subcontracted. Yeah. They were trying to renege on it. There was times my checks, because I started buying... When they would run sales for chips, I had this warehouse. Yeah. I would buy, because <laughs> I, I, I was cash flow and positive so much that I would buy a warehouse full of chips when they discount it to the store and then wait till the sale goes off and sell it to them at full price. So my checks would be, I was told, larger than the CEO of that time. <laughs> and, he, and, and he had a hard time with that. Oh, I could imagine. So long story short, I ended up going into a, a guy asked me if I'd come in the gourmet food line. Yeah. And it meant less driving, a shorter Ooh. time. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. And so I switched over to gourmet foods. Just sell. I mean, I was number one in that company in a matter of a couple of weeks. And so what happened, though, is one day this Christian family came to me and says, we feel like you're supposed to help us get our, uh, I was, they came from Phoenix. I kept calling me and calling me about helping them launch a salsa company. And I said, well, I said, I, I don't know why you're calling me. He goes, well, we've been told that you're the guy I'm in Tucson. They're in Phoenix. Yeah. Somebody in some church or something's telling them. I said, well, why don't you come up and make it for me? So it is unbelievable. So I said, let's test it. So I submitted it into a salsa contest that's really famous in Phoenix. And we ended up taking number two out of the number one position for that contest. And some guy walks up to me and says, hey, uh, if you're interested in taking this to grocery stores, I can bring some finances for that. Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and I had all the ladies and the guys, we're all dressed in our... You know the sombreros and yeah, we did the full marketing thing now you know i was only like i don't know 24 25 years old now yeah. 26 so anyways long story short god's beginning to start showing me my heart and starting to peel the layers off a little bit he's very gentle at first and so i heard him say whatever you do do not go into debt over any of this because he knew what i was going to do yeah and because I'm an idea guy, very creative thinking. Yeah. And so I, long story short, I um, took it to the Alpha Beta, the store I, I was familiar with, took several cases in, say, hey, to the buyer. And I said, try this. Come back in a week or two weeks later. And he goes, 
Demetrius, if you have this, these three things, warehouse insurance and whatever, we'll buy, I think it was 96 cases or some 90 cases per store as our first purchase or and we had 92 stores or 96 stores in Arizona. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And now at that time I was dealing with train loads of jars coming from Mexico. I'm doing all this stuff and nobody's teaching me stuff. I'm just learning. Learning logistics and, and Yeah, because I, I don't have that mind blocker a lot of people have to go through. It's like, I hate the word can't. I hate the word can't. I believe we can do it. I mean, because God's our creator we're supposed to create yeah so anyways so how did your growth in the faith affect your family did you see those fruits oh, early on or massive really painless and then i got how old were your kids at the time other babies yeah. except for the nine-year-old daughter shana yeah. two three years old four years old and they just growing they grew up in their faith yeah and every one of them has walked with the lord at some level I don't believe they've ever walked away from their faith. Did it change your marriage? Yeah, it did. And here's what happened. As I'm growing in this space, and then I get what I call spirit feel, like I had the encounter with the Holy Spirit. I had my prayer language, and that was a massive shift in my life. That was about six months after getting saved. And then I started having all these incredible encounters with God and our family seeing incredible things that God's doing in our lives. And now that Saul's a company ends up, the guy that invested in my company was part of the Lincoln Savings and Loans collapse. And he lost like, I think it was 3 million overnight. So he asked if he could call his money back. And I'm like, this is why the Lord told me don't get any yeah. debt. So that was a test in my life of exposing because once things- I Did you go into debt? Oh, yeah. With the guy's money, we leased a 17,000-square-foot building. We purchased $250,000 with the canning equipment. But then I bought a lot of things on the side. And what happened is when he called his money back, I went to my attorney, and he goes, you don't have to, but do you really want to be a part of hurting a guy's life? I said, absolutely not. Yeah. So I released the money back to him. But it left me about at that time was sixty or seventy thousand dollars in debt. Okay, that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. So, anyways, the guy that was running, I brought a dear friend of mine in to run the gourmet food line, and why I was on this venture, and I didn't have the heart to take the company, take him off that route. So I, I thought, well, you know, I've been number one, I've done very well, I'll find another job, because that's I was just really confident that God's just leading me on this journey. Yeah. So long story short, one day my wife wakes up and says, I've been out applying for jobs, trying to find uh, contracting jobs, food distribution. One day I wake up, I was really frustrated. I was kind of going through that, you know, the guy thing when you don't have a job and you're frustrated. So a friend of mine says, hey, let's go play some racquetball. Yeah. So he gets up and my wife says, before I go out to play racquetball, it says, I felt like the Lord says, we're supposed to lay hands on our bills and proclaim his provision on them. I said, I'm all for that. Let's do it. Yeah. And then right before I left, I saw she's doing communion over there in the kitchen. And I said, oh, you're doing, yeah. She, the Lord told me to fast today for your job. And I said, okay. So I come back. From racquetball. Racquetball. And it's now dinner time. 
and we're getting ready to say grace and we're getting ready to hold hands and I said somebody knocks on the door and the guy uh, I opened the door it's a Schwan man and I've never seen a Schwan guy in my life yeah I never knew what it was I saw the truck once or twice thought he was uh, delivered to the grocery stores and so I said hey he shows me the brochure I said oh this is awesome and and you're starting to think business-wise. Yep. And what happened, though, no, he says, well, I said, you know, when I get a job, I'll call you and have you deliver product to our house. And are you familiar with Schwann's? Yeah. Yeah. yeah my parents. So what happened is, is uh, it's a crazy story. I sit down at the table and we say grace. And I said, I think God wants me to do something. Because I believe in that scripture where it says, God, acknowledge him in all your ways. And I believe he'll bless you and He'll guide you and protect guide your you. steps. Yep, guide your steps. And so I thought, okay. So I called the guy and said, hey, his name is Mark Chambers, came to the, my door. And I said, hey, um, by any chance, are you, are you still hiring? He goes, oh, yeah, we are. And I said, okay. I said, I don't know what it is, but I'll, I feel like I'm supposed to at least meet with you, this guy, Jeff DeBacher. And so I called him and set up an appointment. I went down in a suit, tie, and all that stuff. As a matter of fact, it was a three-piece suit. I still remember it. <laughs> so I go down, and I go into this warehouse, and this guy, I walk in, and he doesn't even turn around. He says, hello? And I said, yeah, I'm Demetrius Giannopoulos here for an interview. And he says, there's an application right there. Just fill it out. And that really bothered me, that he didn't even stand up and turn around. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is weird. At that time, because I've got this whole spirit fear thing, now it's God became Father God to me yeah. at that age. Yeah. And I'm like, I had so much trust and so much faith in my Father God that I just felt like I was on this journey and discovering. Yeah. So I fill out the app. He stands up. He turns around. I said, I know you. He goes, yeah. He goes, you're the guy treating me really well in the grocery business. He goes, you used to give me in caps all the time. I said, yeah, I remember you. And for the frozen food for Tony's Red Baron Freshetta. Yeah. So what happened is he says, well, why are you uh, interviewing for Schwann's? I said, well, because I'm a man of faith. I said, God brought the Schwann dude to my house. And I yeah. said, he goes, your qualifications is for Tony's Red Baron and Freshetta. I said, I said, you know, I appreciate that. But I said, I got to experience this Schwann thing. I don't know why, but that's who showed up my door. And I told him my wife fasted and we, yeah. all that stuff. So I got on the Schwann truck, had no idea what I was getting ready to go into. And we left at 7 in the morning. They put me with the guy that came to my door, actually. And we got back at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, there is no way I'm going to do this. I said, because I was interviewing for a Kraft Foods uh, area wrap or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought for sure I was going to get that job. So long story short, I ended up going on the Schwann trip. And that ride along, we broke his record that day <laughs> because I got so frustrated because he wasn't that great of a sales guy. I said, here, let me do this. And so I started selling for him. And he goes back and tells them they're blown away. Anyways, long story short, I get on a Schwann truck by total by faith because of my father, God, because it's the last thing I would have ever done in my life. And I get on that truck, and the last interview before they hired me, 
is a really staunch, controlling, almost like a dictator, division manager. Yeah. And he was concerned because I was a big guy, chubby guy. And I said, Mr. Monaghan, I said, I will run circles around all your little guys. I said, here's what I'll do. If I'm not number one in your division in six months, I'll gladly to walk away. Yeah. That's what I told him. And it wasn't a cocky thing. It was, this is sincerity. Just a confidence. Because, I mean, you grew up with a dad who was into sales and you mm -hmm. saw just how he imparted that into you and you just kind of picked that up. Did he teach you at all about sales? Did he? No. You just kind of picked it up via osmosis. Yep. And so what happened is, is uh, God's honest truth, I get a route and in two weeks, I was number one in the division. Two uh, weeks? Two. <laughs> and their heads are spinning and I'm thinking, I started like- Did they a, do any kind of training for their sales guys? Yeah, they took me training and it was uh, really interesting. They, it was really not good. Yeah. And so I get on the routes, become number one in the division in one or two weeks. And then what happened is, is I'm like, oh, I've been number one in two other companies. I'm going to shoot for number one. Now there's like almost 7,000 drivers. And I thought, ah, I can do this. So the first eight months of that year, it was yeah. 1992, I became uh, number two in the nation and number one in the nation the next year and a half before I got promoted. Yeah. So what happened is uh, now I'm like the golden child. My sales, because I, one thing I didn't tell you, I, when I went to a, like a charismatic church, there was a prophet guy, I've never seen this in my life. This prophet guy, Edward Trout, famous guy, I ran into people and know him personally today. Yeah. I think he's passed away now. He's a South African. He points at me and he says, God has a word for me. He calls me up. Yeah. And he says, this is before I was in the contracting business, food distribution. He goes, I see you think you work a lot of hours and God's going to bring you into a place. He's going to cause you to work more hours than you ever imagined. Now, this is before Schwann's. He says, and the Lord says that he's going to build the endurance of two men in you. And there, there's lines and lines of people, as far as the eye can see, waiting for you to come into the perfect will of the Father. He goes through all this stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, how did he know that I think I work a lot of hours? Because yeah. I was working like 45 hours a week. So now I'm with Schwann's, I'm working 80 hours a week. And I'm doing the sales. My sales gone through the roof so high that I'm doing the sales of most double of most Schwann guys. Yeah. So I go up, I get promoted. There's a lot of cool God stories and all this, but what happened is I get promoted. I've always had this heart to live in Denver, Colorado. I don't know why, but I've always felt called to Denver, Colorado. And so I get promoted. You ever visit? Nope, never have. Really? Yeah. So my dad did talk about Colorado, how beautiful it was, the trees and all that stuff, but that was it. That's where probably the seed got planted. Yeah. But I think it's more of a call than I can say just the desire. Yeah. But what happened is um, I got promoted and my first on-the-job training sales manager was Denver, Colorado. So I come here and because uh, I was so successful, I had all this buy-in of people wanting to hear what I did and all this. Stuff. So I'd go around the different sales companies and I ended up, because of my leadership skills, 
I start teaching the sales managers that have been there for years. Yeah. This is how. Outside of Schwann's. Pardon? Outside of Schwann's? Inside of Schwann's. Inside company. of Schwann's, okay. So then the division manager heard about me and he goes, I need you to come up here. So I did, met with him, spent two or three days. We did all these interviews and he was so blown away, the, the person I am, yeah. that he offered me a position. So I'm going back to Tucson thinking I'm moving to Colorado. So I, I hear the Lord says, it's not time yet. Hmm. He said, I want you to stay here. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got these doors opening. Yep. And motion. Yep. So what happened is, and this is why I, when I mentor guys, I always teach them the number one most important thing is you got to learn to hear his voice. Yeah. So anyways, and it's a nudging in the heart. It's not an audible voice. You just, you get very familiar of knowing his voice. Yeah. So, and it's a faith thing. You know, the scripture says you, you can only please the Father by faith. And a lot of us don't move in faith very well. We're learning how to, but long story, get back to this. So I talked to my wife and I said, I feel like we're not supposed to do it. And the next thing I know, I said, okay, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm gonna not accept this. And so I'm waiting. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they decide they're gonna split the division in Arizona and split Tucson in half and build a sales company where I just built a nice home like two miles from my house. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I was so blown away and I was so encouraged by hearing God's voice. So I ended up again praying. God gives me a vision of what for Schwann's, for my sales company. And it was so crazy that some people in my peers and even my boss that was now my peer said you're in the meeting publicly in front of everybody, you're crazy. And I said, well, this is what I know I can do. And my division manager loved me. And we shared an office. And sure enough, we went above and beyond the projections of growth. That I was number one in the nation for five years as a sales manager out of like, I don't know, it's like 700 sales companies. And then I got promoted. Thought for sure I was coming to Colorado. There was a position just opening up. And I heard the Lord say, it's not time yet. yet. I'm like, you've (laughs) got to be kidding me. It's like this teaser. What year is this? This is back like around, see, division manager when I got promoted was like 1996. Okay. 97. And then, so the regional manager, brother in the Lord, comes to me and he says, hey, Demetrius. He goes, I know you've... You want to go to Colorado, but we really would like you to consider going to Houston. I'm like, Houston, where's, I've never even been there. And I was like, man, we don't want desert because all I saw is West Texas. I've never been to East Texas Yeah. and Southeast Texas. And he starts laughing. He goes, oh no, it's green. And so I said- And humid and hot. But what was really cool, I said, okay, let's go look at it. So I flew down there, my wife and I, I went down there again before I made a decision because I said, I want to see all the sales companies. And it was a mess. Out of 92 divisions, it was ranked 88th or 89th Ooh. in the country. Yeah. So I told uh, Al Busman, is his name. He said, Al, this place is a mess. I said, the managers are dirty, like worn out uniforms, clothes. I said, the sales companies are a mess. I said, somebody has drained this division for their own, because, you know, 
the greater the sales, and if you manage the money tight, you're rewarded by nice, awesome bonuses. Yeah. And somebody has sucked the life out of this. And he goes, well, I said, the only way I'll take this is you got to allow me to go in and fix this stuff up because I said, if you're going to bring quality people in, it's got to look like a quality place and well represented. He yeah. goes, Demetrius, he goes, I got it from all the way at the top. You have a blank check <laughs> to do whatever you need. Now, I mean, I was a golden child there for a while with him. And I said, okay. I said, let me just get back with my wife. And we said, yes. And we came down there in eight months. We're growing number one fastest growing sales division in the United States. Yeah. And it was a gold mine. In the meantime, we found this church that was unbelievable. And he sat under John Osteen, an incredible leader. They were at 300. And so we're now involved in the leadership. We're doing all this cool stuff. And then some guy, and nobody knows this at that time, I had this desire, and I always say it's in the Greek DNA. You got to own a restaurant at some point. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> I've had this desire to have a pizza restaurant. Yeah. And I don't know where it's got to be something God wrote on my heart because that's all I can explain. Yeah. Why in the world of all restaurants do I want to have a pizza restaurant? So I'm number one in the nation. Church is doing phenomenal. We have this beautiful home. Things are going awesome. Was your family on board with the move? Oh, yeah. They all loved it. They loved Houston. Yeah. But I always told them. I told them before we moved. I said, this is just a transition station because the Geonopolis roots are going to go deep in Denver, Colorado. Ooh. And I said, I don't know when God's bringing us here. So it gets really wild now. So uh, this guy walks up to me at church. I've never shared this with anybody at the church guy walks up to me and says, hey, Demetrius, would you be interested in investing with me starting a pizza restaurant? I'm like, why did you come to me? He goes, I just felt like the Lord told me to come to you. And I said, let's go look at that. And it was a pizza restaurant that went out of business. And I said, I went and looked at it and I wrote a check within a few days because I always wait three days for the Lord to speak to me. And just an honoring thing. Yeah. So long story short, for I think it was a month or two months, we started formulating all the recipes. I flew out to one area where I knew a Greek guy that had a pizza restaurant, and he gave me his sauce. I went to another place to get the dough recipe from another Greek friend. And then we went out, and I started the restaurants with my family. And Shauna, my oldest daughter now, is like, I don't know, she's 18. No, she's probably 20. And so what happened is uh, with my background with Schwann's and growing sales in community, we just exploded. And then all of a sudden uh, another, this was in Spring, Texas, just north of Houston. And then another Pizza Hut moved, built a standalone, they catered and left their equipment there. So I bought that. And so in six months I opened my second restaurant and this is how God works. So we're thriving. Yeah. And in my mind, we're famous. And, you know, we, not that I was looking for being famous, but it just was gravitating that the Giannopoulos family is blessed and God's doing all these awesome things. And then what happened is started the second restaurant. And so I'm working all day. And then I put on my pizza hat, basically, yeah. and, and run the business at night. 
and we were just thriving. And then one day I'm out knocking on doors promoting our store in the Woodlands and this lady walks out and says, hey, talking about God setting us up. She says, hey, uh, by any chance are you uh, hiring? I said, yeah, we're looking for like an assistant manager. She goes, well, I used to be a manager for Domino's. I said, oh, that's cool. And she's a believer and I thought this is like awesome. And she goes, my husband used to be a uh, division manager for Domino's. I said, oh, this is wild. Had no idea God was setting us up. So long story short, brought her in. She's now running one of the stores and my daughter and wife is running the other ones with our partners. And then what happens is now Schwann's does a restructure nationwide. And now this incredible opportunity opens up for Denver. And I'm like, uh-oh, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And I went home, we had a family meeting. I said, there's an opportunity for me to become a regional or like a vice president of Schwann's in the South, it's called Sunbelt region. And because of our identity was so stuck in this pizza thing because mm-hmm. of success, mm-hmm. uh, we voted and I was the one dragging my feet, but they're the ones that like, no, we don't want to move dad. I'm like, okay. So I go back, I let the bid expire for the position. And when I, I was in my office and I was watching the clock and when it ticked five o'clock, I got in my car and started driving home. I started crying. And I knew the Holy Spirit, I heard the Holy Spirit says, you missed the opportunity. The time is now. I'm like, you have gotta be kidding me. And so I go home and I said, guys, I'm telling you, I heard the Holy Spirit say that we're supposed to bid on this. I said, I know this is hard. I said, but you know what? When God does things and when he says he wants to do something, it's usually not when it's convenient. When it's convenient, it's usually, it's our ideas. When it's inconvenient is when God calls you into the, what Mm -hmm. I call the mysteries of the father. And so I said, would you guys be willing if it comes back to me? And I've prayed and asked the Lord to bring it back if it was meant to be. So I get to my office the next morning and we agreed. And I get back to my office and the phone rings at eight o'clock. And it's the vice president of Schwann's Enterprise. And he says, Demetrius, what in the heck just happened? He said, this position was created for you. You don't even have to interview for it. I'm like, I know. And I started crying and I said, you know, his name was Lorraine. He's a French guy. And I said, you know, I have these pizza restaurants. We have this unbelievable church. It's very inconvenient for us right now. And he goes, well, I've been given permission by Mike Zabel, the guy who runs the whole company, to open the bid if you want it for 15 minutes. Now, while you were dragging your feet, were you seeking God about that opportunity? Or were you just so stuck in pizza businesses no, thriving? I- I think I seek him on everything. Okay. I feel like I'm always talking to the father. Yeah. But I'm also was very conscious of my family and yeah. the, the weight of the decision. Cause we had this crazy pool, waterfall, beautiful home. Yeah. It was a big, big step. But you know, when the father says go, and if you have trust in him and in my yeah. relationship with him, I was willing to take that risk. Yeah. 
So long story short, I said yes and did a 10 minute phone call. And I'm thinking, okay, I got pizza restaurants. And the Lord told me to go to these couple. Yes. I said, would you guys be interested in buying this pizza restaurant from us? Today it's still going. And she goes, and I said, I'll carry the note. And uh, so, because they financially couldn't do it. Yeah. So we did. And they took it and their man has put their kids through colleges. (laughs) And long story short, I went to. How long had you known them at this point? That, uh, that, that, that maybe four or six months. Oh my gosh, that's so, kind of a yeah, but, a risky thing business wise. Yeah, from, but their experience and the the character and the quality of the people were unbelievable. Yeah. So, I usually can read people's hearts really fast, and so, anyways, went down the road, sold the restaurants, moved to Denver, and that position. I was managing over a billion dollars in sales for Schwann's Enterprise. Had 1,800 people under me. Wow. 159 sales managers and 11 district managers. Wow. And it was an unbelievable experience. But at the same time, I've been questioning guys. I got all these words over my life because I've had crazy prophecies over my life. Yeah. Ever since I came to Christ. And I started questioning, Lord, you know, there's salary caps here. There's limitations. I said, all these things and these dreams I've had when I sleep, all these things. I said, I don't know how you're going to do this. And so anyways, before I go any further, so the, the P&L, profit and loss statement, when I got there, it was at 3% profit margin. It was struggling. And in one year, we brought it up to 12% net profit to the company. And they were just beside. Now they're sending me to Babson Leadership School in, in uh, Boston because I've been identified as one of two or three other people being groomed to be the COO of the company. But even their pay wasn't what God was showing me. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, Lord, what does this look like? Yeah. So what happened is uh, there was this new CEO that there was some, I call it, there was a spiritual conflict with us. I, he did not like me, this new CEO. Yeah. And I think it was because he got tired of hearing my name all the time. Jealousy. And he, and he was a flashy dude, man. And so this battle, because I was a part of all these task force and creating all kinds of cool stuff. And long story short, one day in my spirit, I had a CFO that reported me onto a dotted line. And I said, hey, Dave, would you uh, check on the matrix that we're measuring our people for our bonuses? Would you check to see if they're uh, changing the formulas? I said, because it's getting harder and harder for my guys to bonus because I'm I'm extremely protective of my people. Yeah. And very guarded. And I fought for the people. And so anyways, long story short, about three days later, he calls me to the office. He goes, they've changed the formula. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So I marched in. This is a wild story. Now, let me, before I go further, over the last five or six years, I've had people say, you know, Demetrius, have you ever thought about, you need to go into real estate because you are so gifted in sales. Yeah. And I'm like, real estate? I've always been in the food business. Get back to the story. One day I was down, before I tell you about the finance CFO. One day, I don't know why I cannot tell you today, 
why I walked in. I drove in. I saw a Syntex home sign, corporate office. Yeah. And I just walked in, and I said, hey, are you guys accepting applications? I cannot remember why I went in there. And I think I was just really struggling with, with Schwann's at this period. You're now, in Denver at this time. I'm in Denver. And I uh, walked in, and she goes, yeah, we are. And I said, all right, because I've only had one resume in my life. I've only worked for three companies all my life. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know. I guess I'll fill this out. So I fill in it out. And she looks at it. And all of a sudden, she takes it back somewhere. And this guy, John Davis, comes out. And he goes, I can interview you right now. I said, really? I said, okay. So I walk in his office. And he goes, why are you here? I said, to be honest with you, this is my interview. Yeah. I have no idea. I said... I have been told that I should be in real estate. And I said, I'm kind of going through a struggling period of time with Schwann's right now. Not sure why. I said, but just kind of curious. And he looks at me, interviews me, and he goes, can I be honest with you? I said, sure. He says, I would like to hire you. I want to train you for two years and you take my position. I'm like, no. This is what I tell him. I said, I'm not interested in that. If I come into this, I got plenty of money saved. I said, I want to start from the ground up. I said, because I've been number one in all positions ever in my life. Wow. I said, I'd like to start from the bottom. And let me learn the business. I said, I want buy-in. I said, I'm running a billion-dollar company right now, and I have so much buy-in because I started from the ground up. Yeah. And he was shocked. And I said, do you have any? He goes, well, I don't have any sales. I said, to be honest with you, John, I'm not even sure if I'd take it if you made me an offer. I don't even know why I'm here. This is my interview. I always laugh because it's the last interview I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'm a Christian guy. I said, I live to walk with God. And he was a believer. And I said, I just don't know. But I said, call me if you ever get a position open. Now, here's the story. God's a trip, man. So I go in. Because I found out they're changing the matrix, uh, the formula on the matrix. At Schwann's. Going to vice president. Yeah, at Schwann's. And I said, hey, uh, I got a real problem here. I said, this is unacceptable. And I said, and you know who and I am. And how long have you been in Denver at this point? About two years. Okay. And I said, you know, Lorraine, I can't do this. I said, if this doesn't get fixed, I'm going to resign. I said, I'll give you my resignation letter by Monday. And he goes, Demetrius, there's no way the CEO, I don't want to mention his name. Yeah. The CEO is going to change that. I said, well, then I'll bring my resignation letter. I said, I will not do this. Now, this is a big position I had. Yeah. And so I walk back into my office and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And then after I'm doing some of my work, my vice president comes over. He stands over my desk and he's pointing his finger, making this thumping sound on the desk and says, you know, Demetrius, you're right. And he's crying. He goes, you are absolutely right. He goes, the CEO will change this. And I told him, I said, I don't think so. I said, I hope you're right. Yeah. I said, but I'm serious. And I said, I've never, I don't call people's bluffs. I don't play games. I don't manipulate. And uh, that speaks a lot to your character. Yeah. Well, thank you. And so I went home that night and told family I typed up my letter and I said, hey, just so you know, I can't do this. 
just so the audience, the people listening, I have an enormous confidence in our Father, God, yeah. that I just, again, acknowledge Him in all your ways. Yeah. So here's what happened. Monday morning, we do our little morning stuff, and he calls me to the office, and he goes, Demetrius, the CEO is not going to uh, change it. I said, so I pull out my resignation letter, handed it to him, and he started, Demetrius, you can't do this. And he goes, we need you. And, you know, I had a lot of buy-in in the region, and yeah. we were just rocking. Yeah. So I went back into my office, and God's honest truth, man, the phone rings like 20 minutes later, and it's John Davis. He goes, Demetrius, are you by any chance? I had a position just open up. Are you interested? I'm saying, I'll take it. And I was blown out of the water. Yeah. The faithfulness of our father, when you walk the plank on your convictions, yeah. it's unbelievable what he'll do for you. So I said, okay, I'm effectively uh, going to be. I said, but you got to give me some time. I said, I told the uh, vice president of Schwann's, I said, you don't want to let me go right away. I said, I know the policy at this level of management. I said, but there is so much buy-in. You need to let me finish all these banquet awards because where I shake all their hands, all yeah. their achievements. And yeah. and I said, you don't want to pull me out. And so he, he talked to his boss and they let me stay and finish all nine events. So it took almost nine weeks. Yeah. And so what happened is I uh, finished out, went to Syntex, and learned the business. And in eight months, I was number three in the nation with Syntex Homes. Now, so real estate's a very broad topic. So I was homes. in a community. I was building a community for Syntex Homes. Okay. So I, I'm the guy that sits in the model home. People come and walk in and yeah. it was a blast. Really? Oh man, I, I had so much fun. And then Schwann's, the, my boss resigned because I left. Uh, I stepped down, I'm sorry. And the new vice president calls me one day and says, hey, his name's Gray, vice president. He says, uh, I need to talk to you. When are you at home? And I'm like, well, I'm home on Thursdays and Fridays. He goes, are you really working? I said, yeah, I am. I said, you don't know who I am, man. And he goes, well, I've sure heard a lot about you. So he comes to my home. And none of my family's home, so I'm I'm in probably the weakest position because I'm still going through that transition. Yeah. Because I love the Schwann world. Marvin Schwann was a, the founder was an unbelievable kingdom dude. Really. Unbelievable. Really. Yeah, it's an awesome story of this man. So I love the company, and he passed, and that's why we were going through all these changes, Schwanns. So this VP comes to my house, knocks on my door, and. He doesn't even want to come in. He goes, hey, can we talk outside? I said, sure. He goes, I have done a full evaluation of my region, and I have made a determination I have to have you back. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and I have been given permission to you just name your pay. Whatever you want to make, we'll pay you to come back. Yeah. And that's tempting. Yeah. Because you may remember, my call for finances is important to me making money, and I still, you know, we're coming to the point where the big shift in my life. But what happened is, I said, okay, I'll get back to you, 
And I went inside my house, kind of like the fist pump thing. I said, I'm going back. I sit down in my chair within seconds. I heard the Holy Spirit say, you can't do that. Because mm. everybody knows you were a convicted Christian. And everybody will know eventually that you can be bought. You can't go back. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I called him up with probably within 30 minutes and said, you know, Mr. VP, thank you for the offer, but I can't accept this pay because it'll send the wrong message. And I Ooh. said, so I'm going to stick with Syntex. So now Syntex, I'm rocking. Yeah. And I see investors coming in. I'm like negotiating on stuff. I'm thinking, man, I got money in the bank. I could do this myself. And then some guy had heard of my name and asked me if I'd come to work for him. And I'm like, what? And it was an investment firm, yeah. investment in real estate. And so I go to him and he interviews me and I liked him and all this stuff. And long story short, I said, you know, if I come to work for you, I would want to be minimum 49% owner of this company in one year. Ooh. I said, and what I'll do is he was doing 20 million a year. And I said, I'll double your business in one year. But my reward is, is I get 49% of your company. He agreed to it, and we did 180 million the first year. He was blown. I was blown out of the water. 20 million to 180. Yep, yep. Now, what kind of investment were they doing? We were uh, negotiating with uh, all the builders because we had cash, and we carry their notes for them to build spec homes. Yeah. And, and then what we did is we got a 20% discount yeah. on all the homes, so it was a lean model for them but profitable for us too. And then what we did is we had a lease to purchase for high-end homes. Now this is where God's setting me up now. So he's gonna take me into an interesting journey. So now my friend, I was a partner for one week and I heard the Holy Spirit, you need to cancel your partnership. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. so I called him and I say, hey, I want out. I heard the Holy Spirit says I can't be a partner. And because now I'm doing investments in oil and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And book deals, all crazy stuff. And it felt like the Lord's saying, I'm taking you on a different direction than he's going. And then at the time, he was making about $2 million a month. And I saw him. He was a Christian, but he had very broken inside. Mm -hmm. And he started making so much money. He got so blinded by greed. And it was just insane. And I felt like I was supposed to peel away. Precious guy. Yeah. I still love him to death. And so what happened is, uh, so I'm on this journey now. And what year is this? This is uh, probably right at the 2000, end of 2005. Okay. So, you know, it's coming. Yeah. So here's what happened. Ooh, yeah. So in 2006, this lady walks up to me and says, the Lord told me to tell you, you're supposed to go to New York and go to this Ed Silvoso conference. You now know, explain I, for the listener who Ed Silvoso is. Ed Silvoso, I call him like the godfather of marketplace ministry. Yeah. is doing kingdom and in the communities and the, your business becomes your ecclesia, your church. And you're teaching people about the kingdom of God inside your business. Yeah. And you're partnering with the community to transform your community. And... I had met him one time. He came to, through our church one time. 
But that's all I knew of him. And I read his book. I, I can't remember it now. But anyway, so when she told me that, my wife and I had been struggling for years because once I came, I went through a, a Dr. Blackaby Experiencing God book years ago before this. And that's where I saw her and I, we started to struggle because that's where the Lord showed me. Because I used to struggle that when I went to church, I always felt like, because I was a leader, if I wasn't a pastor or a missionary, I was like nothing in the church. So my identity and my where God was blessing me was in the business world. Mm-hmm. And back in the 80s and early 90s, you didn't hear about marketplace ministry. You didn't hear about all this stuff. Yeah. And that we're all ministers of Christ. You know, I used to think it was just the pastor and the missionary. Yeah. And in my naiveness. So what happened is, is Blackaby guy, I go through his teaching, and that's where I came into about love because the church I was going to was in some level legalism. Mm -hmm. And I just love people. And I always extrapolate the good stuff. We all have flaws. We all have burrs that we rub stuff wrong. I said, but if we'll focus on the positiveness and the uniqueness of how God created each person on this planet, we'll be a better place. And so that's where I found, I realized I was a minister where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And man, when that started to happen, there was this divide in my marriage. And because her, what I found out through counseling, we went to counseling for two, three years. Yeah. And she would get up and walk away if they would ask her question because she was convinced it was all me. And so I would stay and say, hey, well, let's just focus on me. And one day, when she left one day, the counselor told me that, you know, where she's at right now is because of the brokenness that he says, picture a framed house with no sheetrock and her filters, everything that is said, everything you do, uh, everything in life goes through these filters, through the framework of a house. And it's through this religious safety zone that she in to a point she would almost like twist the scriptures mm. and uh, even though she was all these other things she still had this serious father issues mm. so fast track now so i go home and i said now we just moved in this big old giant home and i think i own like 12 homes and investment properties and all this stuff and so here comes the juicy stuff so i bought plane tickets for my wife and i and go to New York, go to the conference. At Silvoso's conference. At Silvoso's conference. And I'm, it starts on a Thursday night. It's all great. And we're still, we're really struggling in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And my pastor's there, his wife, and you know, and all this stuff. And so what happened is uh, Friday morning, I see Ed Silvoso up on the stage there, and I lean over to my pastor and I said, man, He's getting ready to download something on us because he was like in this groaning. He was like uh, carrying the weight on him. Yeah. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, he goes, I had this massive encounter with God last night. And he says, and the Lord wants me to ask. He goes, now there's four, five, six hundred people. There's, there's billionaires, millionaires, missionaries, pastors, all walks of life in this building. Yeah. And he says... He goes, I don't know if it's one or several of you that the Lord is asking you 
would you make him the chairman of your boards or boards, your companies? He goes, but before I go any further, I want to clarify, this has nothing to do with my ministry. He says, this has everything about you committing to walk with God to advance the kingdom the rest of your life. And I'm like, at that moment now, I'm like in this vortex feeling that he's talking to me. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. This is for me. And he says, I want you to understand that if you stand up, the seriousness of this, this is not no lighthearted thing. He goes, God is asking, I don't know how many of you, but be obedient if the Lord is speaking to your heart. Now at the time, I had a billionaire funding five more companies for me. And I'm just on, I'm doing kingdom. I'm doing ministry times in our houses. We're doing all this stuff. These next five companies, we're going to commit certain percent to a community and all this stuff. Yeah. And, and I was so far ahead of God. And this is the difference is letting him do it through you or you're doing it for him. And I was up until this point, I was doing it for him. I was showing God. I was helping God basically fulfill this call in my life. Yeah. And so he said that what God, you realize what it means to be a chairman, that he's 51% owner. So at some point in your life, you're going to get where he's getting 51% of the profits of your companies. And I'm like, not a problem. This is awesome. And I stood up. I could tell you I was so caught up. I just remember some people standing but my pastor stood up. My wife sits, wouldn't stand up. I'm thinking, this is all I've lived for. She's heard all these words over my, all these dreams. And I saw, I've told my kids, I heard God's voice when I was 15 and a half. This yeah. is what I'm called to. I stand up and I notice my wife doesn't stand up. And I'm thinking, huh. So I did the whole exercise and uh, sit down. We go to the room that she threatens to divorce me five times. And I was devastated. Crushed. I was so crushed. Now, she's used that word before, but this was the real deal. I bet a hundred times at least, but this was heavy duty. That next morning, we're supposed to be walking the financial district of, you know, all Manhattan. New York, Wall Street. New York, Wall Street, praying that God would visit. And I remember looking down all these tall buildings and I'm thinking I want to just disappear. And I had enough money where I could have just gone on an island somewhere and and wanted to run. The pain was so deep. So not knowing what was getting ready to happen, and thank God, and this is why I always encourage brothers and sisters in Christ, get your understanding of who the Father is for you. Because if you don't have that, you can't. As a priority. As a foundation. Absolutely. And hearing his voice. So crazy i get on the plane to fly back to denver and when i landed all as i can tell you it felt like god lifted this favor off of my life (gasps) to prosper and everything i touched or had touched all was disappearing in the i so that was april of 06 yeah my wife leaves me october of 06 by the end of that year i lost several millions yeah. And everything's blown up. The billionaire changed his mind. I'm thinking, what in the heck? And what I realized because of my father-God relationship, because I never got angry at God, 
I'm thinking, what are you doing here? And what I realized, he's drawing me into the wilderness. Because mm -hmm. I just learned that wilderness in Hebrew means drawn to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, whoa. And because of my success, my relationship with the Father, I thought, okay, we'll figure this out. And I, But when my wife left me, I went through enormous pain. Yeah. And I was married 24 years. Yeah. And then what happened is I, one day in 07, yeah. uh, like May or June, I heard the Holy Spirit say, go to the mountain and pray and fast. So I said, okay. And I hate being alone because one of the biggest things I was struggling with is loneliness. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. How old are your kids at the time? Oh, they're all grown out of the house. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in this big house by myself. Ooh. You're going to hear the fun stuff as soon as I get past this part. So I go to the mountain, and now this lady told me, she goes, you're such a romantic guy. You got to listen to, have you ever heard of El Devo, the pop opera group that Simon uh, Cal or whatever his name is formed? Yeah. And their pop opera. And very romantic, singing Italian and all this stuff. And the... So I go up there doing my religious thing, and I'm up at the townhome that I rented. Yeah. And I'm fasting and praying for, I think it was, yeah, three days. And I go up there the first night, and I pop in some music, worship music, and fasting, nothing special. Next day, I uh, get up, get back out in the jacuzzi because the sun's shining, because I'm Greek. My skin just loves the sun. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm out there. I pop in worship music, and I just had this thing, go pop in. It's not doing nothing for me. So I pop in this El Devo romantic music. And so I, I'm in there and get back in the jacuzzi, and I start because it's all in Italian, and this is, you know, we're all different walks of life as Christians, but I said, I started singing in the spirit with my prayer language because it was Italian. Yeah. And I had this massive love encounter with Jesus. Ooh. And I could see his face. He came down. I mean, I'm bawling. And the only other guy I've ever heard says he's had the same experience as Charles Dindler. Yeah. I saw Jesus' face. And I heard him say, you're right where we want you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I just heard the Trinity. It's like yeah. confirmation for the Trinity. I was so blown away. And then here's my first inclination that God was dealing with me internally. He says, you're done. I heard Jesus say, you're done here. Come off the mountain. I'm like, no, I got to finish my fast. <laughs> Obedience and religious stuff. Yeah. He goes, you're done. Come off the mountain. Yeah. I said, okay. So I went and had a steak dinner. Yeah. And... I drove home that night. I was so excited. I was like, I was all charged. Uh -huh. About a week and a half later, I'm driving down Arapahoe Road in uh, Denver, and I'm doing real estate deals. People are thinking I'm lost my mind because I'm playing El Devo in the background. I'm just so caught up in the spirit of the Lord right now. And I hear the Lord says, start this company, Solomon Group. I'm like, Lord, this is not the time for me to start this company. And he says, start this company. And I want Lou, your pastor, to be your business partner. I said, Lou, you want him to be my partner? 
And I said, okay. And he's a great dude. I love him. And I said, you know, just so you know, and so everybody knows, another key to walking with Christ and the Father is having childlike faith. Yeah. And don't get caught up in all the analytics of this doesn't make sense, market says no, all this stuff. So I said, okay. So I called Lou, honest God, five minutes after I just heard from the Lord. I said, hey, Lou, I just had this encounter with Jesus. And he said, if I'm supposed to start this company and you're supposed to be a business partner. I said, what do you think of that? And he goes, well, I've had two dreams in the last two weeks that you're getting ready to come to me and make a business proposition. So I said, it's really, because this is a faith thing for me too. Yeah. And he goes, but to top it off, 20 minutes before you called, we just finished our staff meeting and we were praying. And two of the ladies said they heard from the Lord that they were supposed to take him as a physical representation and push him out the front door of the church because God's getting ready to send him into the marketplace. Oh. Yep. And that blew my mind. Yeah. He goes, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. I just had 8,000 square feet of office space built for all these companies I was going to be funding. Yeah. And That were falling apart. Oh, they're all gone now. Yeah. I said, well, why don't you just come to the office when you have time, when you're doing your pastor thing? That's what I told him. And we had a great friend. He's an Italian. I'm Greek. We always poke at each other. I said, just come and play office with me because I don't know what God wants us to do. In the back of my mind, though, I still had real estate. This is uh, June or July of 07. Before it really collapsed. Yep. And uh, I've already collapsed most of Yeah, but real estate was about to collapse. So this gets really wild now. So what happened is uh, one of the things, too, before I go further, is God told me about a year and a half before all this, I want you to hire intercessors and pay them to pray. I'm like, and I've never heard of this. Now I've yeah. heard of a lot now. Yeah. It's like, I want you to honor their gifts. I'm like, okay. So I brought four intercessors on. I paid them to pray. We met once a week and... They did their prayer thing because that's not one of my strong gifts. I pray, but I'm not like an intercessor. And I thought they were, in my naiveness, I thought they were to help us as we're getting ready to go into this big place. Well, what it was is I was getting ready to be humbled and taken down in a sense, if you want to, God was drawing me in that wilderness. And they were unbelievable. But God was setting me up, and as I've mentioned several times, so we kept having our prayer meetings and next thing i know uh so i had the love encounter then i had the encounter with god to start solemn group then all of a sudden i'm sitting at a chili's restaurant and i've been asking uh, telling the lord i was like lord i know i'm a son in your eyes i know i am a son and the way you made me there is no way this son can be single you need to bring a woman in my life because I can't do this alone. Yeah. All this stuff, there's no way I could do this. Yeah. I'm not a one-man show. I'm so relational, yeah. very intimate, all that stuff. And God's honest truth, Luann comes walking in Chili's restaurant. It was on the night that the Rockies won the pennant to go to the World Series. Yeah, I was sitting in my big home. I'm like, I am not doing this alone. So I went to the Chili's restaurant in the neighborhood and ordered a fat tired beer sitting on the corner of the bar because it was packed. I mean, it yeah. was crazy packed. It was electric here in Colorado. Yeah. And she's a big Rockies fan, and she comes walking in, and 
I say, oh, she's got a nice smile. That's all I thought. And next thing I know, she comes walking by and she says to the bartender lady, there's no seats. And she says, Luann, you need to sit next to somebody with character and integrity. Demetrius, scoot over. I've only been there like five times. The only thing I can think of is I tipped really nice. Yeah. And so Luann, in her outgoing personality, grabs one of the tabletop chairs, grabs it and says, scoot over. Because I'm on the corner. She scoots in. And I'm thinking, this is wild. So we started talking. And my daughter, because I started to dance and I went to Arthur Murray and learned how to dance right and all that stuff. My daughter was very, because I was really naive. And so anyway, she's telling me about gold diggers and all. I'm like, what is a gold digger? And so anyways, so I was guarded. So when I would talk to a girl that was interested in who I am, I would put up these fillers of like, yeah, I talk to God. I hear his voice. Yeah. I'm doing kingdom business. And usually that kind of pushes the the ones that shouldn't be in my life away. Weeds some out. Yeah. Luann's like, Really? I do too. And she heard God's voice one time. It was cute as all get out. And then what happened is the Rockies win. Yeah. And she goes, can I buy you a shot? And I'm like, I've never had a woman buy me a drink in my entire life. Because I wasn't allowed to drink with my first wife. Yeah. I couldn't do nothing. And I'm like, unbelievable. So we did a shot at tequila together. And I asked her a movie that night, and man, I just got swept away, man. She's special. Yeah, she is, man. She's, it's like I tell her, you're like an, God just dropped you out of this, you're an angel that fell from heaven onto earth, man. Yeah. Because she's amazing. So anyways, getting back to the story. So Lou kept asking me, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But I had this plan B in my mind that I could always go back into real estate. And what I learned is, you know, I think most of us know God doesn't like plan B's. <laughs> he does not like them. Yeah. Are you all in? Do you believe in the promises I've told you? Do you believe in the words I've given you or the dreams I've given you? And you will be tested on that. Yeah. That's why I always tell people when you get a revelation from the Father, be prepared. You will be tested on it. So, anyways, so one day. This is my life. You know, I'm just a Yuma, Arizona little boy with a God big time vision. And my if I light this up. That's why it's Daniel there. Marshall is being lit now. Is that how you say it? Yep, Daniel Marshall, red label. So I started doing international oil. All I can say is like following a breadcrumb trail. And that's what the Lord showed me. Just follow me. I'm like, okay. And I don't even know how I got onto this. And I started doing international, and one of the intercessors says, this is why I believe God had me bring these intercessors, says, I know a guy that's a retired CIA agent that does international oil, and I told him about you, and he'd be glad to mentor you, but he only does $100 million deals. I'm like, well, that's way out of my league. So I shelved it. I never thought about it. And then about two months later, so this is uh, like February of 08, so now, so everybody's clear on the trajectory. Love encounter with Jesus, the encounter to start this company. Now I go on a discovery trail, this breadcrumb trail. And so February of 08, we're still asking God, what are we supposed to do? 
And then I get told about this retired CIA guy. Then a guy calls me out of nowhere and says, hey, are you still investing? I said, well, my risk level's gotten really low. Yeah. And so he tells me what he did, this product. And uh, I said, what the heck is this? And I said, just send it to me so I can read about it and study it and do my own investigation on it. So I read it, and the requirement and the investment, and it scared the tar out of me because the buy-in was the last of everything I had. Yeah. Except for 15000 bucks. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I know this plank experience walking with God when he says walk the plank. Yeah. And I'll be there. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I said, I can't. I prayed about it and I didn't have no rush to make a decision. And so a week or two went by and I was like, I can't put it down. So I went to the intercessors and I said, well, before that, I, I said, hey, I need this phone number for the CIA guy. I felt like I'm supposed to call him. So I call him, I said, hey, we've never met. I've been told about you. I said, can you verify any assets in the world? He goes, yes, I can. I can verify any asset in the world and get back to you within four hours. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I told him the guy's name yeah. and the name of the product. And he goes, uh, I'll get back to you. About two hours later, he goes, it's real. He's a legit guy. It's stored such and such and all this stuff. And it's exactly where he told me it was. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So that's not canceled. So I'm thinking, okay, it's still too hard. And I told the Lord, I said, God, you're going to have to come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I'm locked up, man. I have so much fear, mm-hmm. if you want to call it, yeah, or lack of confidence in me hearing his voice. And that's that, a big jump. Oh, my God. All your money except for 15 grand. Yep. And so I, uh, I reached out to the intercessors. I said, hey, I want you to uh, pray. Don't be religious. If He might call one of you to fast, and the other one just to eat more food. And I was joking with him. And I said, whatever God tells you to do, but I had this investment opportunity. I, I need to know. And I've told the Lord he has to come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And I said, I, I don't think I can do it. And I said, I'm not telling you what industry or anything. And this one lady, different lady, comes to me and she has an open vision. Mm. And she describes this product, the color of it, the formation of it, and everything. And God says, it's done. And I was so blown out of the water. And then I waited three days, like I always, I told you at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I wired the money. And then my retired guy got a deal because I would not have married uh, Luann unless I had all my financial stuff. That's my logical mind thinking. Mm-hmm. So I had this incredible deal. Uh, at that time, was incredible. It's nothing compared to what I'm involved in today. Two weeks before, so I, it's done. I got escrow money, proof of funds, all that stuff. It's crazy deal. Now, I proposed to Luann. I do this crazy engagement party and all this stuff and September 18th the days we're getting married in October 18th September 18th I don't know if you remember when the banks were all melting down and we almost collapsed yeah well the guy that was buying my product and two sheiks 
tried to do a legal backdoor. It was all over the news. He didn't mention the guy, the investor guy, but the two sheiks of uh, tried to do a legal backdoor takeover of uh, Citibank. And so my retired guy calls me the next day. He goes, I got some bad news. I'm like, what? He goes, your investor, the buyer of your product just got blacklisted. He can't buy your product. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I had to go to Luann and tell her that all my financial stuff's not more to me than her. She goes, I didn't marry you for your money. I married for who you are and your relationship with God. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And very humbling too at the same time. Hit the jackpot. Yeah. And so Luann and I can tell you, we've gone through some a lot of growing pains. Yeah. But we are very thankful God hasn't released us at that time because our relationship probably could have blown up and our hearts weren't ready for what God wanted to do through us. Mm-hmm. So I, I have this product and next thing I know, the United States uh, government red flags this stuff all over the world and the U.S. takes full control of it and nobody can buy this or sell it unless it's sold to a U.S. government contracting company. And so my window just shrank yeah. because my retired guy was a Brit and he was international. Yeah. And he calls me and says, hey, I've got some bad news. I don't have any contacts with the United States. And I said, oh my gosh. And then the principal owner of this product says, hey, I want to meet the Greek. <laughs> so I said, Luann, why don't you come with me so you can see my crazy world? So we go down to Denver. He flies out to Denver to meet me. And he's a Israeli guy, ex military integrator so you can just imagine his personality yeah and he says hey he's real flashy at that time he's been humbled he's an amazing guy today and he goes let's go up to my penthouse and let's do a toast i'm like luann's cannot stand them already yeah and uh, i said yeah okay so we get in the elevator and thank god luann and lou was with me he points at me he goes i believe he wanted to get me alone he goes I believe you're the guy that's called to bring the buyer for the rest island. I said, you got more? And he goes, yeah, I've got lots of tons of it. So I was like, I told him, I said, hey, he doesn't know I have this retired guy. And I said, you just need to know, God told me to buy this product. And I've been blessed always. God's always blessed me financially. I said, when I discover this and figure out how to get this sold, I'll talk to you about the rest. So now I'm going to fast track. So I'm thinking, I don't know what to do with that. And so now we're going through the grinder. We've had it stolen from us. <gasps> it was falsely stolen. The warehouse had stored in another country said, we believe it's yours, but you're going to have to get an international ruling and a U.S. federal court ruling. International, one day in Singapore. U.S. courts two and a half years because they were terrified in the valuation because the U.S. government red flagged it. Yeah. Then Obama did a, a regulation that outlawed. There's a process that has to go through and it makes it very valuable. He outlawed that. Well, wow. it's gone up thousands and thousands of percent in increase in valuation. Yeah. 
And in the meantime, I'm on this journey and I realize, and my partners are cranky and they're getting upset. And I have two different sets of partners. And I heard the Lord say, I'm using this. I'm like, God, you called us in this. I know your word's your word, your promises, your promises. And I said, what in the world is going on? He goes, I'm using this product to sift your hearts and draw you into a secret place with me. So I go tell one of my business partners that he's like, ah, God doesn't test us. And I'm like, yes, he does. And he's a doctor in theology. Yeah. And long story short, we walk in this journey and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I went to start another company and that imploded. And the guy that I brought in, I believe I started this company because I wouldn't get this guy out of my life. He was a Christian man, but very flawed. And so yeah. God exposed him in this and he betrayed me big time. Uh, the first contract I get is a million something. Yeah. Everybody's going to prosper and he betrayed us. Yeah. And so I said, Lord, he goes, I want you to learn how to wait on me because I was terrible at waiting. I'm still not that great of a waiter. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this sounds painful. And then I hear the Lord says, your breakthrough is going to come through rest. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then John Dawson comes to me. Imhoff's uh, conference Emerge. Yeah. Uh, is that what's called Emerge? Yeah. YWAM Emerge. YWAM Emerge. And he says, The Lord told me I'm supposed to pray over you. So I'm like, sure. Prays over me. He goes, The Lord's telling me you have something very big that you're standing for. But he, he's telling me to tell you that your breakthrough is going to come through rest. I say, Yeah, that's what the Lord told me. Yeah. And God, for me, is always confirms yeah. multiple times. So keep going here is I'm learning how to rest. And then he's given me a revelations in rest that when we become a person of rest, I call it, and some Christians might trip on this, but I believe because we're a ball of energy, our yeah. spirits, we start putting out a frequency. The enemy can't even see you because the scripture says in Psalms, when you're at peace, you're hidden. Wow. And he started teaching him about the power of rest and this rest place that the enemy can't even influence you if you can stay in this place of rest. It's challenging. Yeah. And you'll get tested on it. Yeah. But learning how to rest, Ooh. it's a total surrender that I've never experienced in my life. Yeah. So in this crazy place that we're walking, I said, God, what am I supposed to do? I got to do something. I can't just hang around in the house. So I just started reading. I started reading about a book a week and a half. And that's where I started smoking cigars. And I started realizing when I could rest and wait better when I had a cigar and read, unless it's about God or leadership, I can't read books. I can't read novels and all that. Yeah. I can't stand them. Because yeah. I don't have a real strong reading. I have some dyslexia in English. Yeah. I don't have it in numbers, but I have it in English. But if it's something I'm really interested in, I could read. And I started eating books. And all of a sudden, guys started coming to me and say, hey, can I meet with you? I'm like, for what? And they said, I want what you have. I'm like, what do I have? This is how I was. I've never saw myself as a mentor. Yeah. And I'm not a teacher. I don't feel like I am. And I meet with these guys. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would come down and these guys are getting transformed and I'm getting blessed. Well, here's what the Lord was teaching me because I'm getting ready to walk into. He started telling me, I want you to learn what I'm teaching you 
I'm teaching about living to learn by divine appointment only. He says, I don't want you ever to call a person to ask them to meet. I'm like, really? So I keep meeting and say, Steve, you're a nice guy. My old nature would be, hey, Steve, let's meet. And I'd meet with you and there's nothing there. I'm like, Lord, he goes, I didn't tell you to meet him. I only want you to meet with the ones. And he starts drilling down into your identity and learning to live by divine appointment. John Peterson's another one the Lord spoke to about divine appointment only. Mm-hmm. And so in this journey that I've been on, it's been wild. And then out of nowhere, and this, get to the end of the story here, is one of the guys came to me and asked if he could meet me. And I met with him, and he's probably the guy with the darkest religious cloud I've ever seen over somebody. Mm-hmm. Suicidal, on medications, all this stuff. And I'm telling the Holy Spirit, I'm like, man, this guy needs a counselor. And I heard the Lord just keep meeting him. I said, okay. And then one day I heard the Holy Spirit say, he's betrayed you. Because I went through lots of betrayal. And this one really hurt me. And so I went and looked. And I said, man, sure enough, this is the guy. And next thing I know, I go to my partners. And some of them said, you need to get that guy out of your life. And I said, man, that's not what Jesus is telling me. I'm supposed to love this guy. And matter of fact, I'm never to let him know that I know. So about two months later, he says, I have this meeting I need to get to in Sacramento. And I said, you do? And the lady he was meeting with, I knew her. We did some investments together. And he says, "Uh, I can meet in two weeks. I said, okay. So he goes to does his real estate investment deal. And this guy comes walking in and uh, asks permission to sit in the meeting because this lady and him need to go to another meeting. He says, fine. So they do their thing. And this guy that was sitting in the meeting asks my friend, what else are you involved in? And he pauses. He goes, I'm not. But I have this friend. This is key word. Yeah. That has this product. And he says, do you know who my father is? Yeah. He says, my father is a 40-year executive vice president of one of the top aerospace companies in the world. He buys that product. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I call it the mystery doors of the father. So he gets back. He goes, I got to meet with you now. Now, here's another cool thing is because the federal courts were about two weeks of them ruling in our favor, we were told we're going to win, but it hasn't happened. He tells me they want to buy our product. And I said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, we got to wait. I said, I'm not going to misrepresent something, but I have a friend that has more. And he goes, he's got more? And I said, yeah. And I told him how much. And he goes, let me call this guy. Yeah. In February 14th of 2012, the board voted to buy all of it. And we've been on this journey because they had to finish the IP intellectual property. And then we've been through all kinds of geopolitical stuff. And now we're getting ready to be released here in months. So in the meantime, God was teaching me about city transformation, economic development, partnering with God and shifting the financial model of the church. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff. So that's my story. Dude, as someone that has 
seen you walk this journey and been alongside of you for the last, I'd say probably four years that I've known you, five years, it's been cool to see this part of the journey, how you've just faithfully walked and we've been praying with you and praying over you. It's cool to see that you're like this close now. Amen. It's all God though. And I can tell you, I'm nothing without Jesus. Absolutely nothing. Demetrius, I guarantee you there are people that have been listening and their hearts have been pricked because they want that kind of relationship with God. They want to be able to hear him for their business or for their work or for their family or for their life. But they've not known where to turn. Where would you recommend people start? Read the scriptures. For me, because of my challenge in English, it's been a massive blessing for me to read books from, like, for me, Bill Johnson's, the Lath Hatlands, the Graham Cooks, yeah, those people to help me extrapolate what the Lord's talking about and about the intimacy of walking with Jesus. Can you lead a prayer for those listeners that are like, I want this? Absolutely. Father, we lift up anybody listening right now. In Jesus' name, I just pray peace and blessing over each and every person's life. Lord, I pray, Father, for revelation and wisdom for people to have encounters and how to walk with you in a day-by-day, trusting and hearing your voice, Lord, that they can hear you ways beyond that they could have ever imagined. Lord, I speak a blessing over them. And Lord, I pray, Father, for new levels of encounters in their lives. In Jesus' name. Demetrius Giannopoulos, let's get to rapid-fire questions. Okay. Hey, everyone. Before we get to the rapid-fire segment, I wanted to reshare a note that Kay and I got from an 80-year-old listener that lives in Southeast Kansas and still works in his small-town family business. He told us, I really lack male friendships because so many of my friends have passed the last few years, so I would value a group of men to spend time with. I'm learning some valuable lessons through the podcast and wish I was 30 rather than 80. I plan to stay tuned for more interviews. May God bless you and your group in 2020. He also talked about how he wrestled with the concept of men and women partaking in fine tobacco and drink because of the church and denomination he grew up in, but the podcast is changing that. When I showed this to Kay at his house recently, we both started tearing up. This is my why for doing this show. So if that moved you, would you consider partnering with us? Kay and I want to develop the website to better facilitate groups. We want to travel and get your stories for the podcast. We want to get back to doing two episodes a week, but we need your help. There are two simple ways you can help us out. Become a regular supporter at patreon.com slash holy smokes. That patreon.com for as little as $5 a month. You can get early access to episodes, ad-free versions of the podcast, free swag like a Holy Smokes t-shirt, and more. That's patreon.com slash holy smokes. You can also make a one-time tax-deductible donation at paypal.me slash holy smokes club. And both of those links are in the show notes. Thanks. Rapid fire. Fire. All right. Cigars or pipe? Cigars. 
You mentioned that recently, I mean, probably I'd say in the last 12 years that you started to, that's when you started to get into cigars. Yep. Did you ever have any experience with them prior? None. So your first cigar experience was? With my business partner, Lou Angoni. Did he have any cigar experience? Oh yeah, he's been smoking cigars for years. All right. Favorite cigar? Probably the Padrones. Yeah. And Oliva V Milanios, and then this is also one of my new favorites, this Daniel Marshall. The Daniel Marshall Red Label. Yep, Red Label. And then obviously Safari. I love Safari cigars. Safaris are great too. Best dollar for dollar cigar that you get? On the lower end or? A... No, dollar for dollar. Okay. Best value? I love the Milanios. Where's your go to place to get smokes? Uh, it's smoker friendly here in Castle Rock, and then I go online. Cigar bid, and then also cigarpage.com. Favorite liquid pairing with your smoke? Bourbon. I love bourbons. Angel Envy. Most memorable cigar experience? Sitting in the back of my Escalade with my business partner. He's a pastor slash business partner with me at the time. Playing El Devo. And he thought, jokingly, he thought I lost my mind. He goes home to his wife says, I think I just fell in love with Demetrius because we were playing El Devo, smoking Cubans. And back in my Escalade on a property I was going to buy. You're a reader. Top three books not named the Holy Bible. Ooh, there's a lot. Bill Johnson's uh, book on uh, supernatural power of transformed mind. Because I, I believe the transformation is in our mind and, and believing what the Father says. Favorite food? Even though I'm Greek, I love tacos. Street tacos. Ooh. Yep. If you were arrested with no explanation, what would your friends and family thought you had done? Well, that's an interesting question. Probably driving too fast. All right. What has Holy Smokes meant to you? Uh, for me, is divine connections, relationships, and fellowship. And having a community of people that walk and talk with you, having a cigar. How's that Daniel Marshall treating you? Still awesome. Yeah. I wish the interview would go a little longer because I still got quite a bit to smoke here. We're going to hang out here for a little bit. All right, last two questions. If you were to have a holy smoke with any three people throughout history, living or deceased, who would they be? Can't name Jesus. John Peterson. Who we will have on the podcast at some point this year. Derek Fulmer has become a very dear friend of mine. Derek is awesome. Steve Grison. Can I put one more in there? Okay. Hiramini. All right. Derek Fulmer, for those of you that don't know, there's a Derek Fulmer interview, there's a Steve Grison interview, and there's a Kay Hidamini interview. So go check those out. They are just incredible dudes. Last question. If we're to meet one year from today, and I got a bottle of champagne or your favorite bourbon, what are we celebrating? The release of the father in my business deal. Demetrius Giannopoulos, I love you, my man. You are one special dude. Thanks for being on the Holy Smokes Podcast. Thank you. 